More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Hello, welcome to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and I am so pleased that you decided to join me today, and I'm always so grateful and appreciative that you decided to spend your time with us, because I know your time is valuable. So today we're going to be talking about dementia, and as many of us know, any form of dementia, it's difficult. It's, it's difficult for the person who becomes aware that they're changing, and they're not able to be the person they once were, you know, but it's just as difficult for those of us who are either the primary caregiver or maybe we're a family member and you know what it's also difficult for friends long-term neighbors it's just difficult for everyone who is around the person who now has dementia you know it's difficult because you don't know what to say you don't always know what to do and sometimes you find yourself really at a loss for responding to someone who you may have known for years just just for a very long time. So today's show, we're going to do something that, as you know, I feel very strongly about, and that is to give you some tips, some short, simple things that you can do immediately. We're going to give you some actual words, some actual actions, where in effect, we're going to give you almost a kind of script. And we're also going to explain to you why these types of communications work and why they would make sense to someone with dementia. And then at the very end, we're going to learn about a type of care that's often overlooked but has helped thousands of families gain respite during the day at a cost that is actually less than home care. Because as I always tell you, you have to do at least one thing for yourself in order to keep on caring. So we're going to begin by welcoming Carol Howe to Caught Between Generations. Carol is a certified dementia specialist, and her latest book, Let's Talk Dementia, A Caregiver's Guide, is actually an Amazon's number one bestseller. So welcome to Caught Between Generations, Carol. It's great to have you here with us. Well, I'm most honored to be a part of your program today. Thank you, Dr. Green. Thank you. So, Carol, um, I don't usually do this, but I think it's important, um, if you would, for you to share with us your own personal caregiving experiences uh, with your husband and with your mother. Yeah, I think it's absolutely an essential part of, of my story, and the reason that I am doing the work that I am doing today is because of my husband's story and my mom. Actually, it goes back to my grandmother, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's type dementia some years ago, and she was always sort of a role model for me. I looked up to my grandmother, and so seeing those changes in her were difficult. But in the um, early 90s, my husband was uh, in an accident at work, and sustained a closed head injury. And from that closed head injury, when he awakened in the hospital, about an hour later, he was knocked unconscious for a while. We soon began to realize that he had amnesia and had lost um, at least four years of his life. So all the memories, all the 
um, education, um, all the humor, all the life stories, everything that happened during those four years were gone. And so for him, that meant he did not remember the job that he had, that he had retrained. He did not remember the house they lived in or the car that he drove. And he thought our daughter was 18 months old, and in fact, she had just finished kindergarten. And he thought the toothpaste was here and the coffee cups were there, and none of that was true. So it was a very difficult process for him, and it was an extremely difficult process for myself and and our young daughter as we adjusted to this new life because everything was different now for him and for us. So truly, I guess my caregiving journey began then, and it was very difficult. Um, And then in uh, 2006, my mom was diagnosed with dementia, and we shortly thereafter found out she, too, had Alzheimer's-type dementia. And so that really made me think, I've got to know more. I've got to understand more. Because as I tell people, Mom and I are kind of hooked at the hip. We are best buddies. And, and I had to know what was going on with Mom. And the more I learned about dementia that Mama was experiencing, I realized there were a lot of similarities with what my husband had experienced um, shortly after that and even to this day still experiences. So that's why I do what I do. I live it every single day. Well, thank you, Carol. So, Carol, let's get immediately to some tips. So let's talk about ways that you would or would not physically approach someone with dementia because I don't think anyone even thinks about that, you know, you would have to physically approach them in a, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, what we need to realize is that with dementia, especially if we're talking Alzheimer's-type dementia, and realizing there are over 200 reasons an individual could have dementia, but by and large, the um, majority of the folks who have dementia do have Alzheimer's-type dementia or Alzheimer's and another reason for dementia. But as we know, Alzheimer's is the leading cause for dementia. So with someone with Alzheimer's, their peripheral vision is changing. Now, as we age normally, our peripheral vision changes. The ability to look straight ahead and see right to left without moving our head the ability to look straight ahead and see top to bottom without moving our head changes as we age. So with normal aging, we see a decrease in our peripheral vision. Now, you throw Alzheimer's in that pot and stir briskly, and what you have now is much decreased peripheral vision. So we have these folks who are, um, I always like to use the example, sitting in the dining room at the um, assisted living because mom is in assisted living. Much of my world revolves around that. And they're behind, they're not facing you. You're entering the room and you're seeing there they're from behind. And you go up and you just start talking to them or you go up and you pat them from behind assuming they know you're there. Well, several things are going to happen and most of them are not good. They very well may reach back and slap you. It's that flight or flight thing. You scared them. Where did you come from? Or even if you've approached from the side and you think, well, they see me. I'm coming from the side. Well, no, they didn't. Because you're in that field of vision that they no longer have. So they're going to react. You've scared them, right? And they are likely to strike out. And then, you know, somebody's been visiting and that happens. And the family member gets a call and says, your mom has become violent. She hit somebody today. Well, no, mama didn't become violent. Somebody scared her. And that was her response. So you don't want to do that. I don't want somebody to do that now. I don't like to be scared myself. So I'm certain that, you know, most folks don't enjoy that fright process. So what you want to do is always place yourself in front of them before you say a word. Even if it's your mom or some or your husband, that someone you know very closely, place yourself in front of them. It's such a simple concept. And begin to walk towards them 
as you are walking towards them, extend your arm. You're a good five, six feet away. There's no way they can reach your arm at that point, but they see you coming with an outstretched hand. That is a symbol of welcoming. Obviously, you're not coming towards me to give me a shot or to take my blood pressure or something like that. If God's got an outstretched hand, as in I'm reaching in in a welcoming motion towards you. And take notice how that person responds to you. Now, we're assuming they have seen you and you have extended your hand to greet them. If they reach for your hand, then you know you are welcome into their private space at least as far out as your two hands allow you to touch. And if they lower that arm and bend their elbow, then they bring them in, bring you into their personal space. Well, now we can make contact. That's when we start really having a conversation. So from a distance, you might say, Hi, Miss Smith, it's so good to see you and stick your hand out. And if she welcomes you, then you can start talking to her. But you're in her her line of sight. You've made physical contact. If she brings you in, now here's an important tip of something to do. If she welcomes you into her private space, and that tip is to get on her dominant side. Now, sometimes we don't know that. If we're just visiting randomly, we don't know if they're right or left-handed. But you can kind of pick up on that after a while or ask the staff. But if they're right-handed, just bend down, place yourself on their dominant side, eye to eye. Don't have them looking up at you because, you know, that's how you had to do with the principal when you were in trouble. (laughs) Now, you understand, I don't know this personally, of course. I was never called into the principal's office. Never, never, never. I I don't know know it either. Never had that. You don't know that either. Not that we're admitting to anyway. Absolutely not. (laughs) But um, actually, I I had to sit in the hall when I was in the sixth grade. My teacher put me in the hall, and my older sister walked by and saw me sitting in the hall, and she could not wait to get home and tell Mom and Daddy about it. I have yet to forgive her for that. <laughs> Carol, so I'm going to I'm going to add a little something um, to what you're talking okay. about in terms of approach, and that is for any of us who are approaching someone with dementia or not even if they don't have dementia, and they're cognitively mm-hmm. fine, they're in a wheelchair. Always make sure that you go to the front and you tell someone you are about to push them. Right or move oh. them because there oh, is nothing goodness. so frightening. Yeah. Suddenly, someone moving your chair and you didn't expect it, right? Um, and it's very, very scary. So, Carol, it we have is. a lot to do. I, I need to ask you some more questions. So, I want to okay. ask about about the response when someone's trying to find the right word. And the example you give in your book is the person says, "Where is my trumby? Where is my trumby?" Mm-hmm. What would you say? And you've got no clue on earth what a trumby is. So what? You're right, you do? And, and, and I didn't leave it in the principal's office either, Carol. So tell me, <laughs> how do I answer? But you might have, see, but because we don't know what it is, you could have left it anywhere. So the the most common thing would be, I don't know what a trumby is, and I don't know how you expect me to find it, which is not going to really get us very far. And we're now insulted the person, and they're frustrated, and you're frustrated. So you should say you're trumby. Gosh, I haven't seen your trumby in forever. Tell me what color it is and see what they say. Well, it's red. Okay, well, now we know at least what we're looking for is red. Um, now, the last time you had your trumby, how did you use it? Now, this, is, this will work even for people who have lost a lot of their words. They may start acting it out or they may get a word out and they'll say, money. And you're like, it's red and money and they've lost it. Well, see, now, right there, I'm going to start putting some things together. That could be my wallet. That could be my purse. 
right? So now I've got it beginning to narrow it down. And so then you might want to start acting it out and say, do you put it over your shoulder and you put things in it? And they'll go, trombi, trombi, red trombi. So now we're looking for a red purse, right? And we've worked through by offering suggestions to them that they can either answer yes or no or one word responses to be able to get to what it is. The trombi could be anything. I mean, it could just be anything. So you work with them, but accepting them where they are and their limitations and being kind and patient, watching hand gestures and face, their face lights up with when you say something, it's the right thing, and they respond by their face lighting up, well, hey, you've hit on something. So that begins to be a good way to communicate. Carol, we have about two minutes before the break, so I'm going to ask you quickly, what what do you say when someone makes what we would consider to be socially inappropriate comments? Like you say, Mom, you remember my friend June, and your mom says, oh, yes, oh, my gosh, you, you've gotten so old-looking, and you're so fat. Okay. <laughs> what do you What do you say? <laughs> oh, yeah, besides crawling in a hole and going, oh, no, did you just say that? <laughs> you just go on with it. You know, we can draw attention to the, the negative behavior in anyone and make a big deal of it. And 99 times out of 100, it's not going to be beneficial in any situation. It's really not with dementia because you can say, Mom, she's not fat. Well, don't tell me she's fat. I can look at her until she's fat. So we've just taken that conversation and made it worse. Or we can go, oh, but look at her beautiful blonde hair. Have you ever seen hair so pretty as that? So now we've diverted mom's attention from the fact that maybe she really is fat. And we're talking about her pretty blouse. And I love her blouse. So we divert the attention and the conversation gets moved to a different topic. Do you think we can divert when someone is suddenly swearing and using oh. language that we had not have them, heard them heard before? We only have a minute, so give us a quick answer, Sometimes Carol, if possible. And believe it or not, you know, I am of the Christian faith, and we don't use those words that we admit to using them anyway. And one of the best <laughs> things you can do is when they're saying three long words together is to say it back to them. Believe it or not, that's one of the best responses. If they're saying, you know, a whole bunch of four-letter words in a row, when they stop, say them back to them. And they're going to look at you like, ah. She didn't just correct me and say, sometimes I feel like that, too. And just it, recognize the moment. Go in the moment. And if the moment's cursing, and you have to understand why they're cursing. They're not doing it to be angry. Most of the time, it's the only words they have. So just say it back to them. It's really quite interesting. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. Unfortunately, we have to take a quick break. When we return, okay. though, we're going to be asking Carol about changes you can make in your home that will help um, and some suggestions for ways to handle difficult situations, uh, especially in personal care, such as bathing. And while we're on break, don't go to the principal's office. Just stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. 
While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I'm Dr. Merrill, and we've been here with Carol Howell, who is a certified dementia specialist and the author of Let's Talk Dementia. It's an Amazon number one bestseller, and she has another book called If My Body is a Temple, Why Am I Eating Donuts? I don't know, because I'm stressed and they're good, but let's get back to dementia. So, Carol, how can you make the environment feel less chaotic for someone with dementia? That is such a good question. Such an important part of a, a good home environment, whether it's in an assisted living or the actual home that they've been in for years. And one is to limit choices. I mean, if you walk into um, the kitchen and there's a whole bunch of cabinets and they're all closed and we don't know which one the cereal is in, we're going to start searching. Well, that's going to cause a problem because then we might find some things that we don't need to be into. So limiting choices, maybe taking a door off of a cabinet and making that the special cabinet for that loved one where the raisin bran and the Ritz bits and, you know, I don't know what else is there that you know that they like, so their choices are limited. Doing the same thing in the closet. You do not need all of their clothes in the closet at one time. Get just summer clothes out, put the winter away, and vice versa, and match them up so that if you reach and you get a hanger, there's a shirt and pant there together. So they have fewer choices. And then what does that eliminate? The possibility of dressing inappropriately, which does become a problem. So we don't have to worry about that. Limiting choices are big. Keeping the home safe and clutter-free, and that's a big problem. Clutter is just dangerous for anyone. It's especially dangerous for someone with dementia. Get rid of all the knickknacks that are just taking up space and replace them with things that are relevant for their life in the time and space in which they're living which might be pictures from 1950 and not pictures of your children because they may not remember your children, but they might remember 1950 in high school or getting married, put those pictures out. You know, I think that's a great suggestion. You know, at Syracuse, sometimes when we're helping people transition from living in the home and coming to daycare, day health care and going to, let's say, an assisted living, families always want to put up the recent family pictures. And and I agree with you. Sometimes it's the high school picture. Sometimes it's their wedding photo. You know, sometimes we find that 
photos of movie stars that they loved, you know, and that they'll oh. recognize. Um, oh. Really, and, and families get hurt by that, but the fact of the matter is, you know, that's what they're going to recognize. So if you really want them to find their room, then I would put Clark Gable or Marilyn Monroe, you know, up on the door. Yeah, and realizing you're going to lose your memories in the reverse order in which you gain them. So you're going to forget your great-grandchildren before you forget your grandchildren. You're going to forget your grandchildren before you forget your children. It's going to go back in time. So putting pictures from movie stars of that era, that's a great idea. We do storytelling with um, people in memory care communities with using old pictures. You know, John F. Kennedy, Borat, Coca-Cola symbols, things they recognize. Um, And then pictures of mom and daddy. That most always works. Grandma and grandpa, I remember that. Wow. So, Carol, can you tell us some tips for bathing? Because that whole issue of showering and bathing really is very, very difficult for many families. Yes, it is, and it has to be done. It is one of those five activities of daily living that we all do, and you and I have been around some people who don't do it quite so well, especially if they have dementia. We walk by and go, oh, goodness, they don't smell well. And they're just not being bathed properly. And many times the family have, has reached the point where mom or dad just refuses to get in the bathtub. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. So here you are, you're the daughter, and dad has dementia, and you want dad to get naked. And he's like, uh-uh, you know, powdered butt syndrome. You know, I brought you into this world. I powdered your butt. I can take you out. You know, <laughs> and you're not seeing me naked, and you certainly aren't going to touch me. Very uncomfortable. So sometimes having a uh, non-relative, Helping with the bathing will solve a lot of problems. So that's one idea. The other thing to realize is, as we mentioned earlier, the peripheral vision is much, much smaller. So we put them in the bath, in the shower, and hopefully not in the bathtub. Don't ever put someone with dementia in the bathtub because you're going to be having a lot of danger getting them in. And getting them out, whoa, somebody's going to get hurt. A lot of hips are broken getting in and out of a, of a wet bathtub. You're going to put them on a shower chair. So we put them on the shower chair. Their peripheral vision is gone. And all of a sudden, from nowhere, this waterfall, where did it come from? Did I know it was going to fall? No. It falls and it scares me. Then what do I do? Well, I'm going to start being combative and arms are flailing and I'm using those curse words we talked about earlier because you've just scared me. And then the other thing is you've got to realize how sensitive the skin is. As we age, we lose our fat pads. Well, I don't know if I'll ever actually lose mine. I keep oh, God, that's just good news. I'll lose my fat pads, really? <laughs> You'll lose your, yeah, well, everybody but me. <laughs> but and me. Fat pads. <laughs> so that means that when the skin is touched, the nerves are, are closer to the surface, and they and you feel things more uh, thoroughly than you do in your younger years. So that water falls, and it actually hurts. It's painful. And then we wonder why they don't want to get in the shower. Well... There's a whole lot of good reasons why they don't want to get in the shower. So you start that shower ahead of time and, and get a shower massage, you know, one of the long handle ones, you know, and start the water at their feet. Before you get in, check it. Make sure it's not too hot, not too cold. On the palm of the arm, the inside of your wrist, just like you used to do a baby bottle, how does it feel to you? Get them in. And I say give them M&Ms. Yes, M&Ms. Because if they don't want to get in, ask them, well, will you just sit here and talk to me? I've got some M&Ms. We're going to eat them while you sit here. And that gets them into the shower because I guarantee you I'll get in the shower for M&Ms, and most people will. You just sit there and talk to them a little bit while you eat M&Ms, but you've got that water running on their feet, and it's cozy, and it feels good. And just ask them, hey, would you mind if I rubbed your feet a little bit? Well, now see, they're eating M&Ms, and they're relaxed. 
you're not going to care. So you're going to wash their feet, and you might ask if you can wash their lower leg and maybe wash the, the top of their legs. Well, look how much you've washed, and they're happy, and they're M&M's life is good. Now, we want to ask them, would you mind if I washed your back? I bet it'd feel good if I washed your back. Most people love that. So now you're washing their back. Ask them to lean forward. Then you can get to the bottom end a little bit, right? And you begin to wash there. Come around, do the same thing on the front. Keep feeding them in the ends. Life is good. And then with most anybody, you can give them a soapy cloth, and they will wash their genitalia. And you've got that shower massage there, so now you can rinse them. Some people don't want to do this. They're too self-conscious. They don't want you looking at their naked body. So you buy a big beach towel, you sit them in the shower, you cover them from head to toe on that beach towel, and you let them work underneath that beach towel, or you work through that beach towel, but you give them their privacy and respect who they are, what they feel is important. You don't know what they might have dealt with in their life. You don't know what trauma might have existed having to do with nudity. So you have to be be aware of that and, and conscious of how you respond to people in the shower. But it has to be done. <laughs> Carol, I think that's, those are some of the best suggestions I've actually heard uh, from anyone about how, and I've been doing this a long time. So thank you for that. So let's let's talk about the next issue, which is eating and drinking. Um, um, because we don't want people to get dehydrated and we are concerned about their nutrition. So how would you suggest Absolutely. we handle that? Oh, that's, see, that's a big thing in my world right now. My mom has... Um, Mid-stage Alzheimer's, which has in the last six months advanced due to a visit to the hospital, which, you know, doesn't help things. And she stabilized a little bit right now. But for mama, food has always been an issue. And she began eating weird combinations of food, foods nobody would put together mama would eat. And um, she would say, Mom, are you hungry? No. Um, Have you eaten? Yes. Well, probably hadn't eaten and probably would eat even though she thinks she's not hungry she would eat the food was given to her but this is what we know mama goes down to the dining room and they put a whole plate of food in front of her and a side dish of salad and her she drinks milk her her glass of milk and they'll go ahead and bring her chocolate chip cookie and there it all sits in front of her remember how earlier we talked about too many choices well now mm-hmm. mom's got too many choices she just looks at it and it's just stuff it's just clutter it's like oh my gosh i don't know what to do with all this so mama quit eating so i I got with the dietary staff and i said please serve my mama her meals one dish at a time and the little monkey dishes you know bring her a dish of corn let her eat it bring her her salad let her eat it bring her chicken chopped up let her eat it bring her her cookie one at a time you know my mom eats everything like that and so now she's getting the nutrition she needs why because her choices are limited. Now, if there are two foods that go together real good, you could do two at one time. But more than that, hmm. Because you've got to figure, not only that, you've got your drink, you've got a napkin, you've got a fork, you've got a spoon. Somebody's sitting there talking. The door's going to ring. The dog's going to bark. 50,000 things to interrupt them. And as far as hydration, it's so important when we become dehydrated, you increase the chances of dementia, and the dementia amplifies. It's just crazy what it does. causes constipation. Constipation makes the dementia worse. Don't get dehydrated. And also realize that as we age, the desire for really cold liquids becomes less, so room temperature water is generally more palatable. So leaving... Pint-sized, not those great big bottles of water. They can't handle that. Little pint-sized bottles of water or half-liter bottles of water. Have them sitting wherever they are, one in the bedroom, one in the living room, everywhere, so that no matter where they are, they might see it and pick up and, and drink. 
What's your feeling, Carol, about alcohol? Um, so someone's had a cocktail every day of their life at six o'clock or whatever it is, or they've had a glass of wine with dinner. What's your suggestion about that? And and actually, we only have two minutes, so tell me quickly. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, but thank you. And, and my suggestion is pour the drink for them. Now, do we want to pour them too? No, because, I mean, most of us don't need that anyway. So if that has always been a part of their life. It is part of who they are. It's in their DNA. And they've had a martini every night at 530. Please don't take their martini away from them. If they're doing it in moderation, unless they're on some medication that says no alcohol, please give it to them. Let them enjoy it. Carol Howe, you've been a fabulous guest, and you've really, I'm sure, helped out a lot of people with really great suggestions. So what's the best way to contact you? Well, I am all over the Internet. Um, You can go to SeniorLifeJourneys.com, and that is our website, and there's a lot of good information there. There you can sign up for our newsletter um, that goes out every Thursday at 11 o'clock, and it's one short article and a joke or a cartoon, because I believe you got to laugh, and you got to laugh a lot. And um, you can sign up for it there. And also you'll see there... about my book, Let's Talk Dementia, hit number one on Amazon several times. So you can order it on Amazon. You can get it in paperback or Kindle. You can order it through my website. And we have a, a podcast through iTunes, and it too is called Let's Talk Dementia. We only have about uh, just under 60 episodes out. It's fairly new, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do it, not make unnecessary noises in the background. But a lot of good information <laughs> there. And you can listen to an episode in about 10 minutes. That's great. It's Carol Howe, H-O-W-E-L-L, Let's Talk Dementia. Carol, thank you so much for being with us today. You've been, you've been really great. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. When we return, we'll be talking to Jolene Brackey, and we're going to continue with some really great suggestions for specific issues and challenges that you have when you're caring for someone with dementia or that someone with dementia is your friend or neighbor. So stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities programmed just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Call Between Generations, and this is Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with Jolene Brackey. Now, Jolene, 
interesting enough, actually began her career as an interior designer, but realized that this was not the career path for her. And so she left. Um, And actually, her first job when she left was as an activity director in an Alzheimer's unit. And lucky for us, Jolene found she had a real gift for helping individuals with dementia and also their families. And she was able to help them find moments of joy. And that is the name of her book, Creating Moments of joy. I really like this book so much. I was just telling Jolene before we got on the air that I gave a presentation this morning um, to about 80, 100 professionals and I actually brought the book with me um, to recommend it to them um, because there's lots of in effect what I call scripts um, and sentences and words that you can give families and you can have for yourself um, that I think are very, very helpful. So Jolene, welcome to Caught Between Generations. Thank you for agreeing to come back with us. Of course. Uh, Thanks for having me. So, Jillian, part of the um, sorrow really in the dementia is when someone does not, a family member no longer recognizes you um, as their spouse or as their adult child. So how do you suggest handling that kind of situation? Because it is so, it is so heartbreaking. Correct. First of all, it's understanding the disease and understanding that the person with the disease is getting younger in their mind. So to figure out what age they're living in their mind at this moment, because so often they might be in their 20s. They're looking for their husband, but not that husband, because when he walks in, they're thinking, ew, they're looking for the young, handsome beau, or they're looking for their kids. They constantly look for their kids, but when their kids come in, the kids come in as an adult, and they want their mom to remember them as an adult, but their mom has only memories of them as a child. So once they figure out what age they're living in their mind, then we can give those memories from that time back, which means a child may have to come in and bend down to visit their mom so they're more childlike, and then also bring a picture of themselves when they're seven or eight or nine, very distinct picture, and just simply give the person their memories about you. And who's the best person to give the children back to their mom? It's the children. They're the ones who hold the memories. So it's not saying, who am I, mom? Do you remember me? It's coming in and saying, Alice, this is your daughter, Joan. She's a a little stinker like you are. She kind of gets into trouble every once in a while. So it's just (laughs) giving their memory back about you. That's great. So... In talking about responses, I mean, for people that are still living at home and, and maybe even a facility, you know, some common statements are, you know, when people become agitated, they're like, I have to leave, you know, I have to yeah. go to work, or my mother's expecting me, my mother wants me to be home right now, I have to leave. Yeah. So how yeah. do you suggest responding to that? Well, first of all, again, it's recognizing that all these, all they know is what they see right now. And what they see right now, it doesn't look like the home that they're looking for. They have no idea where they're at. And so when they don't know where they're at, they get worried because their mom doesn't know where they're at. Their kid doesn't know where they're at. Their husband doesn't know where they're at. So first of all, it's understanding who they're worried about, right? And so you could say, um, if they're worried, I got to go home, I got to, you know, or I got to get my kids, then talking to the kids and saying, where would you be if you weren't at home? Because then if you have that information, you could say Joan is at um, Sally's house or Joan is at band practice. So you're giving them the place they know where their daughter is safe. 
So they know your husband has to do a second shift. Your husband um, took the car to the shop. He'll be home in a little bit. Even though if their husband's no longer living, in that moment they believe he's living. So you got to give him a reason where he would be if he was at home, Does that, if he was not at home. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And, little, and actually, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. It, no, it, I was it, just gonna, it gets complicated, but it always goes back to the premise, what do they believe? What are they seeing? And if you can get behind their eyes and understand the age they are with the memories they have left, then you can come up with the answer they need to feel safe where they're at. You you brought up a point though, and that and that's the other issue of someone looking for their husband or someone who has passed away and died. And I often will hear families say, "You know, mom, you know, dad died uh, ten years ago." I mean, what yeah. would be a better response than that? Yeah, it's it's basically where would their husband be in their mind if he was still alive? Where would their husband be if they weren't at home? So you you might want to say Chuck's having coffee with a friend, but then they're thinking who's the friend? So and he didn't drink coffee. So then you would you would they'd come around the corner next 30 seconds, where's my husband? Chuck's having a beer with Bob. When you have Chuck's name and Bob's name and she knows that he usually drank, she's going to believe you and like you. Does that make sense? She's going to believe you and like you. But if you got to have the names of the people that they're looking for and where would they be when they were alive if they were not home. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or you, um, if you don't even have, let's say you don't have the answer, because so often people feel very um, uncomfortable saying that, giving them an answer that isn't true. They always say that that's lying. And I say, we're living in the truth in the memories that they have left. That's where we need to go, live in the memories that they have left. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you could just basically say, you know what, He'll, he's resting right now. Or, um, like, where's my mom? She'll be right back. Or you can say, you know what, I don't know, I'll check on it. But when you say they're no longer living, how does that make them feel? It makes them feel anxious. It makes them feel upset. It makes them feel like, I got to get out of here. You're lying to me. And then recognizing how they function when they feel that they can't and when they can't function everyone suffers the repercussions okay so yeah let's talk about Jolene let's talk about holidays because we are kind of oh, coming, coming up, up to holidays <laughs> and yeah. they they really are difficult for people what, what's your suggestions yeah. about handling about handling holidays or even handling family events Great question, because this is perfect time for that question. So often, kids think mom should be there. They should be there, because they've always been there. This is tradition. We want them there. And research shows that a person who has Alzheimer's and dementia can't handle large spaces and lots of people and noise, and even taking them out of their familiar environment puts them into a blackness or a confusion where they get really upset. And so at some point, you have to recognize that it's not about us. We can adjust. This person with dementia can't adjust. And our adjustment means, you know what, maybe um, right now I'll go in and just have turkey and mashed potatoes with my mom. Maybe next week my sister then can go in and just, you know, open presents with mom. Maybe the granddaughter can go in. It's like spreading the holidays out because if you try to get them to be normal because that makes you feel good and we're going to continue to do what we've always done. This person, it could quite possibly take them two weeks to recover 
from one family reunion, from one holiday. And so it's recognizing that this person can't adjust, we can adjust, and we can spread the holiday throughout the entire year. It doesn't have to happen in one day. What then, how would you handle that if someone has dementia, but they're still living at home? How would you handle it then? Living at home with a caregiver or living at home yeah. by themselves? No, living at home with, let's say, a spouse, with a with a family caregiver. Yeah. Um, so it depends. If they're in the early stages of the disease, again, it's shortening it. You could quite possibly have family over as you always have, but you've got to say, okay, mom can't make the turkey anymore, so I'm bringing the turkey. And then my brother's going to bring, it's going to be more of a potluck. And it's, again, cannot be all day because they can't handle that. But you could have a meal together. It's simplifying it so much that you're just coming over for a meal and you're just stopping by, but it's got to be shorter. It can't, can't be the whole day. Because, again, the person who suffers the repercussions is not only the person with dementia, because of the exhaustion and the confusion. But who suffers the repercussions because of the confusion? The caregiver, the spouse. Everyone else gets to go home, right? But Mm -hmm. really who's hurting in the next week is the spouse, the caregiver, who has to deal with the fatigue and the confusion that lingers from that one day. You know, Jolene, I found something interesting when I read your book. Uh, well, I found a lot of interesting things, but one of them had to do with watching TV and watching movies because I think the tendency is to, is to in effect, place people in front of a TV um, and turn it on and they'll be content, and then they get very agitated. Yeah, yeah. What's happening in TV is real for them. It's literally happening right in front of them. And the reason I know this is because families will call me and say, you know, my mom wants me to come over and get all these people out of her house. And I'll go over there, but there's nobody there. But the TV is on. And she thinks those people are in her house and she just doesn't even know how to shut the TV off. So when they have hallucinations, we blame it on Alzheimer's or we blame it on medication. When in reality... They believe, like when someone got shot on TV, someone just got shot, the noise that comes off the TV. I mean, it's, we think it's stimulation because in our generation, we sit in front of the TV and that's how we cope. They're not used to that, especially if they're younger in their minds. They didn't have TV the way we have, the way we want TV today. And so it would be better to have like the baseball game last night, you know, would be better to have that over the radio with the, with a ball cap and a beer and headphones on so they can just hear the game. And, and actually a game over the TV isn't bad watching a baseball game. Cause that's pretty normal or a football game over the TV. But I'm just saying to go back at the ages they're living in their mind and realize TV is not stimulation for them. It's just noise in the background. So my last question for you is, um, you have a lot that you have to say about use of the word no. Uh, we have just yeah. a, just another minute. Can you comment on that? <laughs> yeah. Just take it out of your vocabulary. I guarantee you you'll have a better day if you take the word no out of your vocabulary. No, don't, and remember, when you remove those, no hesitation, I guarantee you will have a better day. Wow. Uh, Jolene, thank you so much. We've been talking to Jolene Brackey, who is the author of Creating Moments of Joy. Jolene, how do we contact you? How do we learn yeah, more? Well, good, of course. The good news is I re- 
redid my book. It's a fifth edition now and twice as thick. It's a lot of the information that I've learned in the last 10 years. And so it just came out November 1st. You can either go on my website at enhancedmoments.com. You can go on Amazon and just get my book through Amazon um, or email me um, at enhancedmoments.jolene at enhancedmoments.com. It's pretty easy. Jolene, thank you so much. We've been talking to Jolene Bracke, author of Creating Moments of Joy, and you have. So thank you so much, Jolene. You're very welcome. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to be speaking with Arsene Yustav um, about how respite care can help the person with dementia as well as helping you as a caregiver. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and I'm so happy to welcome Arson Yusuf to the show. You know, Arson actually has a very similar background to our last guest, uh, Jolene, in terms of he also did not start out serving seniors. Um, he actually graduated with a bachelor's degree in management information systems and initially worked as a computer programmer for a life insurance company in Pennsylvania. And realized at some point this was not his passion. And so he began volunteering as an activities assistant um, in an adult daycare center in New York. And then about four years later, I met Arson. Um, He was very, very passionate about serving seniors and very passionate about trying to keep people in their homes. Um, And so he opened up his own um, Syracuse Center in Jenkintown. Welcome to Quote Between Generations, Arson. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, Arson, explain for those of us who don't understand, what exactly is uh, an adult day health center? 
So an adult day center is basically an alternative to a nursing home. Um, it's a facility where seniors with various health-related problems will come to during the day. Um, and what we do there is we, we basically we entertain them, we keep them active, we uh, feed them, we provide the care, the necessary care for them during the day. These are generally folks that really should not be left home alone. You know, maybe mom has Alzheimer's or dementia, and you need to, you as the daughter or the son as a caregiver, need to continue working. The best place to send mom while you're at work would be an adult daycare facility. We're, you know, it, it's a very safe, very uh, warm, very inviting, fun environment for them to be in. And then by the time you come home from work, they'll be home as well for din- just in time for dinner. So Listen, that's basically how- what that is. How do you think the participation at an adult day center or a Sarah Care Center, let's say a caregiver doesn't work, um, would they still need um, these kinds of services? Well, absolutely, because the problem is if mom is at home and say mom has dementia, you know, it's even if the daughter's there with her, it's still kind of one-on-one, you know, it's not a social setting. When you're coming to the adult daycare, mom will make friends and they're her peers, people that are her age, people that are, you know, in the same situation as she is. It'll be a lot more fun for her to be in a group setting, just like she must, you know, she probably was throughout majority of her life, but now she's not able to do that. And staying home alone with your, you know, daughter or your son, whoever the caregiver is, just doesn't give you all that social, uh, you know, uh, socialization that humans really need in life. But what if my mom or my dad, let's say, need medications during the day or even if they're diabetic and they may need insulin? Does that mean I have to run into the center and do that for them? How, do, how does that get handled? Actually, that's quite easy. So most centers, including our own, we have a registered nurse on staff. This is a full-time nurse. In, in fact, I'll be honest, my particular center, we have a full-time registered nurse as well as a full-time registered licensed nurse. Uh, I'm sorry, not registered, full-time licensed nurse. So we have two nurses available at all times. These are the people who are going to administer the medications. Um, they take uh, blood, you know, the glucose levels to do the insulin. Um, pretty much all of the medical stuff that is needed throughout the day will, you know, that's why the nurse is there. She also will take vital signs that she's going to send to the doctor on a regular basis. And it's so wonderful when your mom's doctor is going to know her health status because our nurse will communicate that to, to him or her. And it just, you know, it, it brings the care together and makes everything so much more precise, in my opinion. So let's talk about some of the situations that we talked about earlier on the show um, and ask, you know, if, if a center uh, like your Sarah Care Center could help in this kind of situation. So one of the things we talked about, for instance, that becomes difficult with dementia clients is bathing. Um, bathing becomes very difficult. So how would, how would a Sarah Care Center help in that kind of situation? All Sarah Care Centers are equipped with bathing facilities. So, uh, for example, my center has a roll-in shower, um, and we have a day bather. It's like a jacuzzi tub where someone would walk in, and, you know, there's jets. It's a lot of fun, and it feels good for them. And basically, we do assign a staff member for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes on a one-on-one 
uh, in a one-on-one situation here so that, you know, the, the participant can be bathed. And, um, you know, we also will even sometimes, well, I mean, in our, in our particular situation, we have uh, very low-income families coming in. And sometimes, you know, I feel like they're not being well taken care of at home. And so we do have a washer and dryer on site. And there's been plenty of situations where I had to even, like, clean their clothes for them. But this is what we do. You know, we kind of go out of our way to make sure all of our participants are happy and healthy and clean as well because that's very important. So, Orson, we just love stories. I love stories. Um, So give us an example how about Sarah Care has helped uh, one of your participants uh, with dementia. Um, So, you know, this is what we do every day. So there's more than obviously one story. But the one I could think of as the most recent example is we had a lady who, you know, she lost her son, and that was, it was so devastating for her that on top, you know, she does have a little bit of dementia, but she basically went into a serious depression. This is a woman who never wanted to leave the house. All she really wanted to do was cry all day long and just basically do nothing because she was so devastated with the loss of her son. But her other daughter basically insisted on her coming to the the center because we you know she didn't feel like this would be a benefit to her and you know it was a very rough basically i would say 45 maybe 50 days because in the beginning she just really really refused to go she made her daughter basically go through hell in order you know for having to sign her up at sarah care but you know after time things started to change to a point where if you see this woman now, it's we made a complete 360. She is smiling every day. She is having fun. She's, I, I mean, the more she's with us and the more she's doing, she, the, the less she's thinking of her, uh, of her son. And so now depression is not even an issue for her anymore. And, and this is what we do, and I really take pride in that because that is very important, you know, and, and it wasn't even medications that helped. It was really just coming to our center and the staff going out of their way to make sure that she is happy, and it, and it worked. You know, it really worked. I love those stories. So tell us a story about how Sarah Care um, helped a caregiver, a family caregiver of someone with dementia. You know, Merle, when the when these caregivers, some of these caregivers come to our center, they are so distraught. They're frustrated. They're tired. They're exhausted. You know, because it is so difficult. You know, they don't know. Well, I mean, this isn't something you prepare yourself. You know, like for example, I could tell you, I had one gentleman who I loved to death. He um he was actually a Holocaust survivor. And he had a very good position here. He, he was actually a, a president of a very large shoe factory here in Pennsylvania. And um, he, he did very well for himself. And he married, at the time, this young lady, this young woman, who he had a wonderful life with. And he said, Arson, all of my life, what I was looking forward to was my retirement years. Because, you know, while I, before I retired, I was working a lot. She was working a lot. So we thought, here, we're going to retire. We're going to start traveling. We're going to enjoy our life in our golden years. 
But what I never expected was for her to develop dementia. And he says, all of what I thought was going to happen ended up being completely the opposite. He's like, now I'm left being the caregiver. Because they, they have one son who lives out in Connecticut. He's not around, and he's got his own family to worry about. So it's basically this gentleman taking care of his wife. So when he came to us, obviously, you know, this was too much. He didn't even know how to handle it properly. You know, I could see tears coming down his eyes because this was not something he prepared for in his life. So, you know, in the beginning, obviously, she also kind of didn't want to come, you know, and, and he was basically listening to her. He didn't want to push it. But later, about a month later, you know, he, you know, she did commit to coming. And she, this, you know, slowly but surely, we got her into coming every day. And his life, as a result, changed so much because now he had some freedom to live his life. You know, yes, he was retired, but he wasn't old to a point where, you know, he needed to stay home all the day. He, he was still a very active man. By sending his wife to our center, he got, you know, first of all, he knew she was in very good hands. So that gave him peace of mind, you know. But second of all, now he had that time for himself, which he really desperately needed. And to this day, you know, unfortunately his wife did pass away. But when I see him, and I do see him in the community sometimes, to this day he thanks me so much for what we've done for his wife. And, how, you know, and he tells me without us, he doesn't know what would have happened with him. Wow. Arson, um, we're almost ready to close. I, I wish we had time to hear more. So, But tell us um, how to contact you, how to find the center. So our center is located in Jenkintown, which is right outside of Philadelphia. Um, we can be visited on our website at www.sarahpa.com. So it's S-A-R-A-H-P-A.com. Or I can be reached uh, by phone at 215-663-8090. We do offer other services outside of just adult daycare. We do have a home care agency, and we recently started, you know, we, we uh, expanded into hospice as well. So we kind of offer, you know, all the home and community-based services that a family member would need in order to stay out of a nursing home. Okay. Arson, thank you so much. It's Sarah Kerr of Jenkintown. Thank you for joining us today and and sharing such great stories with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care. You too. This this is Dr. Merrill um, signing off, and I just want to remind you, as I always do, just do one thing, just one thing for yourself this week. It's really important, even if you just pick up a phone and make that very important phone call to a day center or a home care or an assisted living or whatever you need to do or a friend um, to ask for help. You need to do just one thing for yourself. Uh, You're very important and you can't keep on caregiving um, if you're not rested and if you're not healthy and you're not doing well. Please watch us on Facebook Live. Uh, We'll be on tomorrow morning um, giving some more tips about dementia. Continue to email me at drmerrill at callbetweengenerations.com. I love hearing from you, and I especially love your comments on Facebook Live. This is Dr. Merrill. Thanks so much for listening. Take really good care of yourself because you're really important. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.